Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 363 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, back with me this week, tanned, rested, and ready for another round of Red Leg Nation Radio. It's Bill Lack. How are you, Bill? I'm great. I'm great. Back off suspension. Yeah, off suspension. Um, Chad suspended me for being too smart. Um, that had never happened. Yeah, we're going uh, to ask the HR department if that was the reason. There, there is no truth to the rumor that I've been under that I've been you know at a black site trying out for shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> they don't need a shortstop. They've already convinced us of that. So that's, now I will say this before we get started. I understand that you have a bone to pick with me. Yeah, I was listening to last week's podcast today, and I, I, first I was—I've been misquoted when you were talking to Chris about. And, and we this, actually we've got a question in, in, about Garcia later, and we could do this later. But we, since you brought it up, you said I was the low man on Garcia, and you said I don't see anything in his history to make me believe that he's going to be a legitimate big league player. Jose Garcia, you're talking about? Yes, and I have never said that. Well, how did you put it then? How did I misquote you? What I said was, I don't understand what everybody is so excited about and counting on a kid that hasn't done anything above high A. I hope he is. And even you have said this before, that you don't count on anything until they do something above A ball. Yeah, I say I don't ever mind trading anybody based on what they've done below double A. Yeah. Um. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope his 2019 that he had it, it, it uh, for the the Tortugas is is the player he's going to become. But as I always say, I'm like I'm like the guy from Missouri. He's going to have to show me, and he and he didn't show me anything last year. Yeah, um, well, those are difficult circumstances. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming the kid at all. He got thrown into deep water over his head and didn't know how to swim. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll accept your uh, your reprimand there. You know, um, with Garcia, when we talk about who's high on him and who's low on him, you know, I think I, just, I think the the most the I don't know, you know, like the sixtieth percentile. If he's successful, is he's probably just gonna be an average major league shortstop. Which there's there's nothing wrong with that. I would give anything to have an average major league shortstop right now. I agree, but what concerns me is all of the quote unquote experts. Are saying all he needs is a little more seasoning, and he's going to be the guy. And I don't see any reason to believe for sure at this point that he's going to be the guy. Well, now the people that are saying that they know a lot more about this game than I do. But you know, we've had guys that look great at A ball and before, and they came up. We've had guys that look great at Triple A and didn't do it, couldn't do the job at the big league level. So I, I just it, what concerns me, I guess, is what I'm saying is I'm trying to temper the Reds' enthusiasm for this kid, and, and I hope they're right, and I hope he's the player they think he is. But I, I hope they're not, you know, I hope there's some other eggs in the basket, and I, I don't think Rodriguez, the Rodriguez kid, is is ever going to hit either. And no. so I don't know where we go if it's not either one of them. Well, I don't know that there's anyone saying that Jose Garcia is going to be an all-star. I, I don't think – I mean, yeah, he could. I mean, who knows? No, no, no. I'm not even saying that. I, I, I'm not convinced he's going to be a major league average player, but the Reds seem convinced that he is. Like, he's playing A, B, and C, and that concerns me. 
Oh yeah, well, if you're talking about the red, what the Reds' plans are, they've completely screwed up the shortstop position in the, in the organization. That's just a fact. Um, I, I, just, I look at Garcia and I see a guy that can already play defensively the position at the big league level and has hit in the minor leagues. And so that's a guy that, okay, you can kind of project that, you know, he's got a shot anyway. But, oh, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct that if he doesn't pan out, and there is a chance he does not pan out, and it's not a, you know, 1% or 2% chance. I mean, it's, it's enough to talk about. I think he is going to pan out to the extent that I think he's going to be a legit big league shortstop. Um, but, if you know, is he going to be an above-average shortstop? I'm not willing to say that. And if he doesn't, there's nobody in this organization. There are no shortstops. He's really the only shortstop in this organization. And I, and I guess where I'm differing from you is I am not yet convinced that he's going to be a major league average shortstop. Will he play in the major leagues? Absolutely, because the Reds will not let him fail to that extent. Well, I'm not convinced either. <laughs> he, he doesn't need to be in the league this year. He needs to go down and, and prove it to us. Well, And here's what I'll say. Let's use let's use the, the what you're saying, major league, an average major league shortstop as the base as is as is is the is what we're our goal is for this kid. I am thirty percent, twenty five to thirty percent sure right now that he'll hit that level. What where, where would you say you are? Um, same. Okay, so we're really we're arguing semantics here, well, really not. Or what we believe. Now, now let's say he has another year comparable to what he had in 2019 in, in Daytona. This year, it, I'm assuming he, he'll be at the AA level for most of the year. If, if he's playing well, he'll probably get to Louisville. Now, if he has another year like 2019, I'm going to then then I'm going to be sitting up and taking notice. Yeah, but what, let me let me let's let's define. And we've gotten off on Jose Garcia, and I didn't expect it to. And this is a good conversation. I'm enjoying it. Um, when we're talking about an average big league shortstop, you know what you're you know what you're saying, really? He's one of the 15 best shortstops in the world. <laughs> you know, I, I can't. That's why I have my my percentage is so low. It's that's tough to ask of a kid. But can he be a legit big league shortstop? I think there's a 70 percent chance he's a legit big league shortstop. Uh, he may be below average somewhat. Well, I guess you. Well, how are you going to define that then? A starting shortstop in the big leagues. Well, then, then Kyle Farmer may be that this year. <laughs> Touche. But if you're going to use that definition, a legitimate starting shortstop. We're not. You can't count the Reds this year because they refuse to employ shortstops for some reason. It's the weirdest <laughs> professional franchise I've ever seen. But you know, see, I, I, I'm on. There have been times where guys have played a position for this team. We've had. Years where we didn't we didn't have a legitimate major league catcher. They were just so awful, but they were the best that we had. Yeah, when was that? I don't I don't remember that. Uh, who's the, who's the guy? Uh, Alex Trevino. Oh well, yeah, there were some years there. Dan Billardello and yeah. Dan Billardello, Dave um, Van Gorder. The, yeah, Dave Van Gorder. Uh, when when um, Benito Santiago had some really bad years here. Did he? Because I looked at his uh, stats. and uh, His 2000 year here was pretty bad. His, two, his 95 was okay. You're right. His 2000, I'm looking at it right now. Actually, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but, but, you know, I guess, again, I think we're arguing some, we're, we're arguing words and not really. Um, we, we would have to come to a decision on, on what exactly is a legitimate. I don't think just because you get, 81 starts in the big leagues at shortstop makes you a legitimate 
major league starting shortstop. No, but he's a, he's a guy that I think that, there's that could a, be like being the best ballet dancer in Kansas. You which, know, if you're the only ballet dancer in Kansas, you're the best ballet dancer in Kansas. How was the best ballet dancer in Kansas uh, officially? 1996 through 1998. I have I know, the sashes to prove it. Of you in that tutu. That's oh. how I get on here every few weeks. Glorious, glorious. Send them out. <laughs> I was gorgeous back then. Um, the legs on that boy. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Um, we we had a lot of time to discuss, and you're right. We do have a question later. That we'll dive a little, maybe a little bit more into Jose Garcia because yeah, a lot of questions. And um, if I misquoted you, you know, um, we've clarified that. I hope, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic because I'm because I'm trying to be optimistic because he has actually hit in the minor leagues, and we know we can play it defensively. So um, it's been a while since the Reds have had a guy in the organization that you could say that about. You know who's the last shortstop to come up through the organization? Who you could say, oh, I can, I can see this kid developing. Probably Barry Larkin. Larkin. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm still well. I'm about hopeful. The same time. That's true. <laughs> all right. So the news of the week. Let's jump into it. First of all, today, Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio announced that thirty percent, thirty percent capacity would be allowed at outdoor events for the 2021 season, maybe more later, but at least uh, at the start of the season. So the Reds will be permitted to have up to 30% of capacity. Put some more, about 13 grand? Yeah, about their average attendance. (laughs) Yeah. So how many times do you think they're going to have to turn people away? Uh, Opening day? Yeah. Um, Occasionally here and there. Depending on some nice, some nice Sunday afternoons. Yeah, when the Cubs are in town. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you think it was blue down there before? Oh gosh, can you imagine? Um, the only seer to seats. Only I hope is that they give at least one seat at every game to the woo guy. Got to get that guy in the park, right? Oh, God, <laughs> you're just now you're just trying to aggravate. <laughs> the only woo guy that there should be around is Ric Flair. <laughs> masks mandatory for all fans uh, and employees unless eating or drinking socially distant distanced pod style seating so it's six up to six people okay and let it, me ask you a question since you're not going to have to wear a mask while you're eating or drinking are we going to have a bigger problem with alcohol in the, in the stadium that's <laughs> it's an excuse to not wear a mask there you go <laughs> give me another beer because I can, I can tell you on on when I've been when I've been flying through this, I keep a bottle of water with me so that I can pull the mask down. There you go. Oh, just saying. Uh, tickets issued uh, digitally versus the MLB Ballpark app, et cetera, et cetera. Contactless. That isn't that big of a change anymore because like I think all the season tickets are, are through yeah. that now. Contactless and cashless forms of payment at concessions and merchandise stands. So, anyway, um, well, I mean, Bill, let me just ask you the the, the basic question here: uh, Are you excited about the fact that fans can be back in the stadium? Yeah, I will. I, I don't see myself going this year, not because of COVID. I just as as you've talked about with Chris and and Jason and and, and Doug, I'm not going to put any money in in this ownership group's pocket when they're not doing anything to make the team better. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited. I mean, I will uh, I will be – I can't wait to be sitting at a ballpark, you know, with your hot dog or whatever you want to have at the ballpark, but just sitting there and enjoying the, uh, the, the weather and the breeze and the game unfolding in front of me. 
I will absolutely be at uh, at baseball games this year, hopefully early and often. Uh, it, the, none of those games will be at Great American Ballpark. I'm um, just, you know, again, I've said it before. I don't need to take my stand again. I'm not uh, some, you know, uh, I'm not trying to create any kind of a, a movement here. But, yeah, I can't in good conscience give Bob Castellani any money when he refused to, uh, you know, <laughs> improve this team. Maybe, that was, maybe we that was could close. have an outing at Lu- in, in Louisville. Yeah, something like that would be fun. I mean, I'm happy to do that. Uh, you know, Louisville, Chattanooga, but um, Dayton, Dayton, and, and and listen, I hate it because you know last year's first year that I didn't go to Great American Ballpark in. Yeah, you know, I don't even remember when. Maybe ever. It might be the first I season bet ever. No yeah. one you. Yeah, it might be the first season in the history of Great American Ballpark. Um, yeah, but that was that was taken away from me this year. It's going to be by by choice. Um, and I just. Again, I'm not asking anybody to join me on that. I'm glad that you have, Bill, but do what you want to do, man. If you want to go to Great American Ballpark and get you a beer and enjoy the game, go for it. Do it. Enjoy it. You know, it's baseball. I just, uh, I can't do it in good conscience, but uh, but that's all right. Whatever. Uh, I'm excited. I'll say this. I'm saying that now. I'm not going to tell you that I may not weaken some Sunday when the weather's beautiful and somebody calls me up and says, you know, we're not going to use our season tickets today. You know, would, would you, yeah. you want to use them? Because my wife loves going to the ball yard. Yeah, your your principled stand you might waver a little bit. It, it, it absolutely could. But <laughs> I'll, I'll go down there and I'll drink beer and protest is what I'll do. There you go. <laughs> uh, so anyway, no, it's a it's a step closer to uh, to where we need to go eventually. So. Some sense of normalcy. Yeah, good deal. Now, uh, the rest of the quote-unquote news, there's really no news out of spring training, and it's always difficult to watch the beat writers try to write things about the spring because there's nothing to talk about. He's This guy's in the best shape of his life, and this guy said this, and this guy said that. And so we're going to talk about a couple things that some people said, basically, that aren't really news, but it's something for us to talk about. And it was Eugenio Suarez. Uh, first of all, is there anybody that does not love Eugenio Suarez? Even guy's, Paul Doherty was talking about how much he loved uh, uh, Suarez today in his column. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he's as likable as any red in my lifetime. Love that guy. Here's his quote. This year, my goal is to break my own record. In 2019, it was 49 homers. I want to break my own record. In 2019, I hit 49. This year, I hope and I believe it. I feel like it's going to be a special year for me. I'm going for 50 home runs. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'll go for 50. Like I said, I worked on my body. I feel so good. I'm going for 50 homers. So, um, hey, good. I hope he gets 50 homers. I do, too. It's funny because he did lose a bunch of weight, they said. 20 pounds, I think I read. I don't remember exactly how much, but I've seen him. He's, he's and, a and he, handsome he young man. Some, some type of corn cake. All right. And quit drinking beer. Yeah. So, you know, that quit drinking beer, That's a heck of a, that can be a heck of a sacrifice for some guys, you know. Yeah, uh, somebody posted on the, on the Twitters, because uh, I'd forgotten about it, that show Parks and Rec, uh, Chris Pratt's on that show, and he uh, he was sort of a you know a, a, a chubby type guy, and then he got the role in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and the next season he came back on Parks and Rec, and he was in great shape. And then and they said, "What what did you do?" And he said, "Oh, I, I quit drinking beer. I lost fifty pounds in one month." So that was a, that was a joke because it was a it was a comedy show. Bill, it was a joke. Oh, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Will, but I I hope I hope he. Had- and, and 
Well, we'll, we'll cover Suarez. We'll co- Suarez will come up in my comments later. That's I'll put it that way. Okay. All right. Um, and also the reasons why it might be difficult for him to come up to hit 50 home runs. Those are going to come up as part of our answers to viewer mail, uh, I think. Yep. so. Okay. Uh, next one was um, Joey Votto. And Joey Votto had a really interesting uh, interview. And yeah. I, I can't really cover everything that he said. But essentially, he said, you know, for a while, I, you know, uh, I was trying to do what I thought helped the team, you know, and get on base as much as possible, low strikeouts, uh, you know, lots of walks. And uh, he said, but, you know, I've led the league in slugging percentage, too, and uh, I got so dead set in commanding the strike zone, assuming I was going to help the team that way. And then he went on to talk about how he led the league in extra base. He is 18 years old in the minors, uh, you know, and he says... At, at the core, that's who I am. I'm, yeah, I try to make, my, make myself into the perfect hitter, and I've had some success with that. Not perfect, but copied my idols. I'm probably best suited to include some more air and get back to my natural approach. Try to, try to hit with more power, basically. Get back to what he felt like is his, his natural swing. So he, uh, I don't know. It was, he sounded excited, and listening to Votto talk is always fun for me. He's always an interesting uh, interview. And uh, what do you think about, uh, about those comments, Bill? I love me some Joey, but every year at this time of year, Joey tells us how he's changed things and he's going to be back to be the hitter he used to be and be productive and blah, blah, blah. And every year it seems anymore in the first half of the season, he's terrible. And I, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope Joey comes out and he's got, you know, 35 home runs at the all-star break and hitting three forward. But uh, again, you know, and I agree. He's a, he's, he's an interesting guy to talk to. He, 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 he thinks about hitting more than anybody I've ever heard talk about it. Um, but, and you kind of said this before, what people say at this time of year, they're just talking. So the reporters have something to report on. Yeah. Uh, but you did hit into an interesting uh, truth, which is that he does every year talk about, well, here's my goals. And, you know, I want to try to do this and get better at this and get better at that. And then uh, the last, you know, three, four years, he has come out of the gates just horribly uh, and you wonder if it's because he, he's tinkering, trying to figure it out. And then, of course, you know, most of these years he comes back and ends up being Joey. Um, he's getting to the age where I hope he can just uh, hit for a full season uh, again because if he can do that, he doesn't have to be great anymore, but if he can just be Joey, um, he can help this team. So he's one of the guys I'm really interested to watch this year. What What would you – I don't say I, – I, I won't say expect, but what would you call a good year for Joey Votto at age – 37 uh 110 ops plus so basically last year i think so yeah his numbers in the year ended up being i would take that over a full year i mean so you know he got on he hit you know hit for some power he, you know he had the 11 home runs i mean that gives him if you prorate that out that you know puts him right around 30 i, I don't expect him to hit 30 home runs this year but if we got 110 ops plus he got on base at a 340 350 rate and hit 25 home runs, I'd take that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. And I think he can do that. I think he can do that. And you know what? That's nothing to sneeze at at age 37. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Not many people can do that at yeah, any age. Joey keeps aging, but I, in my mind, he's still the guy I watched play first base down at, at, at uh, Sarasota years and years and years ago. He doesn't look any different. So what you're saying is uh, – that's what you love about Joey Votto. You get older, he stays the same age. That's right. Yes, he does. 
All right, so good luck, Joey Votto, we hope. Um, other news, uh, quote-unquote, uh, David Bell, he's the Reds' manager, and he says that it looks like he – yeah, for now – he looks like he's going to start Jose De Leon on opening day. What is this all about? I'm outraged. Jose De Leon on opening day. How stupid is this? Oh, wait, hold on. Let me just. Oh, spring training's opening day, first spring tra- training game. I still don't like it. <laughs> still upset with it, huh? <laughs> yeah, who cares? But I was trying to find a reason to get outraged. So I, I, I'll be honest. I don't really care who starts opening day. Well, yeah, me either. I used to care about that a lot. I you really know, wanted it to be Scott Feldman that year. I mean, at, at, at this point this year, it's going to be one of two guys, and, and you can make the argument for either one. And they both started opening days. Yep, and, and, it, and it would be hard to you know it would be hard to be upset no matter what Bell decides, unless you know he starts, you know, Lorenzen or somebody you know Miley or you know opening day you know, you know no. and everybody else assuming everybody else was healthy. Yeah, knowing David Bell, he'll start Lucas Sims. He'll be the opener that day, let him pitch three innings, and then make it a bullpen day on opening day. Yeah. That's the kind of nonsense David it's Bell. It's like those old dusty Sunday lineups, you know. There you go. Or the, or, or the David Bell playoff lineups, however you want to look at it. Featuring starting big league shortstop Kyle Farmer. Thank you very much. That's right. He's a legitimate starting shortstop in the major leagues, according to Chad's definition. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, David Bell, uh, again, current Reds manager. Current Reds manager. Um, Let, let's, can we go into that for a second? About David Bell? Yeah. What you be will about, David, will about David Bell be the man, Reds manager at the end of the season? No. Will he be the Reds manager at the All-Star break? No. Will he be the Reds manager on May 1st? Yes. Will he be the Reds manager on Memorial Day? Mm, what's that like December? No, that's May. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometime in May. Sometime in May. Yeah. Sometime in May. Even though it's not not going to be his fault, he's going to get. I'll say it's not going to be his fault. He's not a good manager. Um, I don't know. I hope they start out well, and if they do, he'll he'll hang on to the end of the year. Um, if, if if do you, do you think who who do you think is the heir apparent? Um, I, I don't know that there is an heir apparent. I would not be surprised, even though he made it clear that uh, that's not why he took the broadcasting position, but I would not be surprised if, you know, Bell's contract is up at the end of the year. I would not be surprised if Barry Larkin is your field manager beginning next season. And I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but that's just uh, that's me speculating, which I like to do. Well, that's what we do here. Yeah. I just. Yeah. What do you think? You think David Bell survives the season? No. But I think I think if they fire him, I think the liner to Shields at least takes over for the rest of this year. Oh yeah, probably, probably yeah. But uh, I, I just if Barry wanted to be the manager of this team, I would have thought he would have been the manager of this team before now. Yeah, well, or, or would have or would have done what most people would say is the work that you need to do to get a major league job, but. I'm saying that, and that's not necessarily true anymore because so many guys are jumping in from all over the place into major league jobs, not necessarily always managing the coaching jobs from outside. And so maybe I'm just thinking old school, and, and you know, maybe there's no big reason why Barry Larkin can't jump into the manager's job from the broadcast booth or, or from his house in Orlando or whatever. 
Yeah, well, what I, what I see is that he is, for the first time, he's kind of made a commitment. First time since he played, made a real commitment to being around the Reds yeah, a, a lot. Yeah, on a regular basis. I mean, he'd been helping out and, and doing things in spring training and throughout the year with him, you know, and traveling around. But here he's he's going to be there for 81 games. And I don't know. I just um, – I would not be surprised because I can't see how – you know, short of the Reds making the playoffs, uh, I just – I can't see David Bell surviving. Although he's relatively cheap, maybe they'll you know, be able to sign him again cheap, and that's the most important thing for the Reds. Well, that does seem to be the most important. Thing. And, and I want I want to voice something that you and Chris talked about it last week too, and that's my support for Chris Welsh. Um, I got no problem with Barry Larkin, blah blah blah, unless it comes in the booth, unless it comes at the expense of Chris Welsh's time on, on in the booth. Yeah, and then I have a problem with it. Yeah, he's the he's the most professional broadcaster in there. Uh, I don't understand that. Um, and, and, and you and Chris talked about this a little bit last week, and I think Chris said it was he walks that really fine line between educating and and, and being entertaining, and it's not. I don't think that's an easy uh, level to hit on a regular basis, and I think Chris hits it almost all the time. Yeah, well, I just like that he's trying. <laughs> you know, so few broadcasters will even try. Yep. So, uh, back to David Bell, he said that uh, Nick Senzel considered the Reds' <laughs> everyday starting center fielder. What do you think about that? Uh, I noticed that he didn't really talk about what that meant. How do you mean that? Well, what is an everyday center fielder for David Bell? Or what is an everyday position player for David Bell? Well, that, that, there's, there's where I was going to go. Is that I mean, an everyday player is an everyday player that play every day. But that is not. There's no. Yeah, there's no chance in the world that David Bell is going to start Nixon Zell in center field. You know, eighty, eighty-five percent of the games, he doesn't do stuff like that. Um, the only everyday players on this team are Suarez and Votto. No, Votto's not. I don't think Votto is. He wasn't last year. Well, he got benched for three days. Well. I, 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 to me, that's not that doesn't keep you from being an everyday player. He, he's, you know, he played in fifty four games last year. That tied him for second or third on the team. And maybe Castellanos is an everyday player on this team. I guess no, no, he won't start against uh, um, certain certain pitchers. You know, that's that's the way we, he got mad about it last year. Um, his defense is so bad, he's going to keep getting pulled out. Well, just. I, I think if you get pulled out late for defense, that doesn't mean you're not an everyday player. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's true. But um, what about uh, the definition of that has changed over the years? Yeah. Well, you know, Senzel will, well, Senzel will be pulled when you know there's a a right-handed pitcher comes in on the bullpen, and yep. and you know, even though there's no reason to replace Nick Senzel defensively late in the game, they're going to end up stuck with you know Aristides Aquino playing center field in the eighth and ninth innings of a tie ball game. Or Jesse Winker. Um, or Jesse Winker. We've seen that. Um, hyperactive David Bell. No, it's like little. Hey, um, and we, we talk, we've talked about this. Yeah. I don't want to get off on the. Let's Bell not. Job. Let's not. Yeah, it but, frustrates you know, he, me. He, 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 he at times manages like it's little league where everybody has to play. Yeah, but uh, let me. Uh, there's you know, and I don't mind playing the advantage, playing the angle sometimes. But anyway, it's interesting that he did say though that he came out and said you know Nixon Zell's our starting center fielder and. Uh, and it's interesting for a couple reasons. Number one, that it's showing some, showing some, uh, you know, support 
for Sinzel, some belief in Sinzel, but also that uh, they're not going to do the smart thing and, and move Sinzel to the infield, uh, which is what I would do if I were running this team since they don't have a shortstop. Uh, well, that, that's where I was just going to head. Is is he really said that the way I the way I read it was in response to the to the constant questions about shortstop in the infield. You know, they, they, they're still they're still talking about uh, Suarez playing shortstop. And let me say this: that's, that's another thing that Suarez Suarez said in his comments is that he wanted to play some shortstop. Yeah, in fact, Suarez yeah Suarez is saying he wants to play shortstop. Uh, and if he could, and if he could play shortstop, we're a much better team. Yeah, I think I play him at shortstop. If I'm if I'm the Reds, I think I play him there. I mean, you're just gonna you're gonna take a hit defensively, you know, whatever. But uh, you got positioning and uh, and shifts and all that. You try to minimize as much as you can. But I put him at short. I put Mustakas at third. I put Sinzel at second. And I think you got a pretty good lineup there. But you don't have any gaping holes. No, no. I mean, you know, assume, assuming you know that Senzel isn't a one eighty six hitter, you know. Right, right. And he, and he might be, yeah. Plus, um, but he can play. He can play second defensively. Third is Mustakas' natural position. So you know, you're you're kind of strengthening your defense a little bit there. You know, yep. moving Mustakas to his better position. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that second is a better defensive position for Senzel than center field, but. You're definitely helping your offense when you've got him and Akiyama in the lineup at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe if I've got Castellanos and Winker out in, on the corners, I probably would rather have Senzel than Akiyama out there just because Senzel can cover some ground. So, yeah. I, but, you know. well, and I, and I, you know, I'm not a big believer in the defensive metrics, but. Akiyama looked really good playing left field last year, and I don't remember him making as many good plays in center field as he did in left, but he seems to get a really good jump on the ball. He seems to see the ball really well. So I'm not I'm not ready to short him in center field just because he's not as fast as Nixon Zell. Well, I think at his age, um, I think the chances he's going to be as good as Nixon Zell in center field are, are pretty slim uh, based on what I saw. But he's a, he's a competent outfielder at all three positions um, uh, and a good outfielder. Yeah, I'm really looking position. forward to seeing him for a whole season. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that he was figuring it out, and he still finished with a 3.57 on base percentage. Yeah, after taking about six weeks to begin the season to figure out the league a little bit. So, yeah. definitely. All right, so uh, that's you know, again, there's not a whole lot of news. They're they're playing out there, and uh, well, not really playing, but they're working out out there in Arizona, and everybody has reported at this point, I believe. And so, Yahoo, go Reds. We're ready. You ready to answer some viewer mail? Always. All right, let's begin. These questions, again, come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the podcast. And, you know, by joining the family there at uh, patreon.com, you can get some priority for your viewer mail questions. You can join our Slack channel, which has been extremely active here as spring training has gotten back uh, going, uh, just talking about the Reds and and commiserating over this team that, uh, for some reason, we love so much. First question comes from... Joe Farsing, Joe asks, who are you guys more optimistic about in camp than most and more pessimistic? Who are you more optimistic about in camp? I think you just said the guy I'm uh, most optimistic about, and it's Shogo Akiyama. I, mean, I, I, I think that guy can play. I, I agree with you. And you and I have both said since, since the moment they signed him how excited we were to see him play. But if, if you're going to ask me who I'm most optimistic about, when when you say it that way, I'm kind of like, who's going to be better than they were last year is the way I look at optimistic yeah. minus Suarez. 
Who's who? Suarez. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I There's think so, no too. way that he, he's as bad a hitter as he looked last year. Well, he came in after the shoulder injury last year, and so he really yeah. was not healthy. And it was a short season, and you know. Um, yeah, there's no way he's going to be as bad as he was last year. I don't know if he's going to hit 50 home runs, but there's no way he's going to be as bad. But there's no way he's going to have a 312 on base percentage either. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Or, or an OPS plus of 102. He's he's a much better player than two percent above average. Yeah. What pessimistic? Who are you more pessimistic about in camp? Uh, the shortstops. <laughs> the phantom shortstop. Yeah, the, 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 that, that dark group over there yeah. all massed together. It's like a, you know, the thing is you could put them all together, make a big smooshy pile out of them. And you still don't get a short stuff. <laughs> no, no. You, you want to know I'm, I'm a little pessimistic about this year? And I hate to say this. I hate to say this Me? publicly. Well, yeah, that, definitely. But, <laughs> um, Amir Garrett. Everybody's high on Amir, and I love Amir, and I love his antics on the field, and I like that he has fun out there. And But, you know, he's going to be the closer, probably. You think he will? Oh, yeah. I'm who, not convinced. Who's going to Who's going to be? Lucas Sims? Yep. Nah, I don't see it. I just don't I see it. Here. I, I, my, my problem, and I, and I understand what you're saying about Garrett, because I really like him, too, but you never know for sure what you're going to get out of him. With, I mean, that's closer. I mean, we said uh, this is the same argument I had about Iglesias for years. But I think at least with Sims, you know what you're going to get off him pretty much every day. Well, we think we know. We saw it in one shortened season. Right. Yes. Assuming he's the same pitcher he was last year. And, and, and we've all talked about how volatile relievers are in one year to the next. So who the hell knows? But Yeah, Garrett has just uh, – I don't think there's any chance whatsoever – there's not, no, that's, that's not, that's not true. There's some chance, but I don't think I'm pessimistic about the chances of him, of Amir Garrett being better than Rezel Iglesias in 2021. Well, as much as I, I complained about Iglesias last year and screamed and jumped up and down and have for a number of years, he was, he was still, he was still pretty good last year. Yeah, he was. And we got nothing for him. Yeah. We gave him away for free. No way. Ramirez. Yahoo. Ooh. Um, a warm body. Uh, yeah, I just I, I heard they got a can of Denty Moore stew with him too. <laughs> it was hearty. Um, so I hate to say that about Amir because I do like the guy, but uh, I don't like that he went to play basketball for St. John's because you know screw St. John's. But anyway, Andrew Scott Wills, who is your 2021 pick for breakout bat? 2021 pick for breakout bat. This is based more on hope than anything else. And this will be the answer to a number of these questions. Nick Senzel. I, was the, I, I think he is the key to how well this team is does offensively in 2021. Yeah, this is like the 16th straight season that I've said Nick Senzel in answer to this question. Nope. And I'm going to keep saying it <laughs> until he's no Sooner longer later, Hopefully we'll be right. Right. It's like, uh, you know... Uh, soccer, America's sport of the future since 1973. Nixon's L, uh, Cincinnati's, you know, breakout star uh, since, you know, 2000 and, I don't know, whatever, 17, seems like. Uh, yeah, that's who I say, too. I, you know, I guess the only other ones you could maybe put in there would be Tyler Stevenson. But, I, you know, I'm not expecting a ton from Tyler Stevenson. I'm expecting him to be a decent bat, better than we've seen uh, from many catchers. In the- He's a rookie. In there, Who's that? 
You could probably throw Akiyama in there mm. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think it's Inzel. Chuck Nichols, Chad, Bill, how the heck are you? Why don't you answer that one first, Bill? Peachy. Peachy, excellent. How many home runs will Gino and Joey hit this year? That's his first question, and I got a, that's actually a second question after how the heck are you. Three questions for Chuck. That's too many, Chuck. Come on, man. His, his, his real question here is, though, how many home runs will Gino and Joey hit this year? Um, some. Uh, <laughs> Give me your numbers, Chad. Tell me what you think. I'm saying over under, uh, over under 55 between them. Between the two of them? Yeah. I'll take 60 between the two of them. So you'll take the over. What you got? 40 and 20? 35 and 25? Yeah, somewhere around there. Plus or minus five. Yeah. Yeah, Gino with more. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hope Gino hits. Actually, I'm going to say 80. I think that. I'm going to say 80. 50 for Gino, 30 for Joey. I choose to be optimistic. Okay. Chuck also asks, motorcycle season is upon us, or almost upon us, so are wild, are, so are wild hogs, let me read this, I'm saying, are, I guess, are you wild hogs or easy rider type of guys? I like both the movies. Yeah, I've never seen wild hogs. I'm not going to watch that nonsense. It's funny. Easy it's rider. Movie. Easy rider. Ah, get out of town with that nonsense. You just liked it because they shot the hippie with the shotgun. That's why you like these rider. Dang hippies. Jo- Joey Gaditza from Canada asks, Hey, Chad and Bill, with the rotation being Gray, Castillo, Molly, likely Miley, Molly, Miley, Miley, Mealy, who do you think locks down the fifth spot? I think those are the likely top four. So who's going to lock down the fifth? I, oh, actually, I... I started to go ahead and make a declaration, but I, mm, I think it's probably 50-50 right now between T.J. Antone and Michael Lorenzen. You think one of those guys those are has the an two that I have. Those are exactly the same two that I have. I, and I think if Antone can get his walks down, I think he could be a stud. I mean, when, when he pitched well last year, he was really impressive. Yeah, he's one of these Cal Bode spin rate I, guys. And I think they're going to need Lorenzen in the bullpen. Wow, they didn't give away two relievers for free or anything, did they? No. Um, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I think they may. I think what may end up happening is Antone goes to Louisville or to the bullpen to start just because Lorenzen has been here and, you know, let's let him try it. I, I can see that happening. I don't mind Lorenzen. Yeah. I don't mind Lorenzen doing it. I mean, you know, whatever. He gave him. He gave him what was it? Two or three really good spot starts at the end of the year last year. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he'd be fine. Um, but I'm I'm with you. I think the the Antone definitely has the higher upside, right? Yep. And who was the guy that? And I think I think he, you and Doug. Who was the guy? Somebody to pitch really really well in Puerto Rico or somewhere in whatever. De Leon, I think. Yeah, it was Jose De Leon. Yeah, the opening day starter. Well, whether that means anything or not is a whole different question. Right. I think mean, he's in the mix, but I don't know. I think he. I think he's solidly behind. It, 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 this is my estimation, Lorenzen and and Tom, because um, he did not perform when he came over from the catch up factory to the big leagues last year. Yeah. 
Had a great, no, he did not. Great mustache, though. Hooper Powell says, thanks for the recommendation of Nomadland on Hulu. I did re- recommend that movie, Nomadland. Fantastic uh, movie starring Francis McDormand. His question is this. If you had to live in a van with Mr. Lack, Mr. Linden, or Mr. Garber, who would you choose? Whew. I would choose. I think the not... three of us would throw Chad. The three of us would throw Chad out of the van. You wouldn't have to throw me out. I would leap out on my own. <laughs> I would uh, live uh, in a van down by the river alone before I would live with either any of those guys. Guys. All right, Charles would, Zollers. Mike would miss me if I was traveling around in a van with Chad and Chris and Jason and whoever. She my, would miss me. My wife would be thrilled. Um. <laughs> Charles Zollers, man, he keeps bringing this up. His Central Florida, you know, he's just he's he's hurt over the fact that they, you know, didn't lose a game one year, but they weren't national champs, and he wants them to be. Hey, Chad and Bill, last time I'll bring this up, but if the NCAA formally recognizes that you finished number one in the national poll, that's legit, right? Besides, what has Virginia done in the past twenty years of football? That, that's unnecessary. So anyway, uh, he loves to talk about that. But his actual question is this: What's the better cereal, Wheaties or Vados? Do you remember Vados, Bill? No, I do not. I'm a Cheerios guy, though. You don't remember Vatos? No, I do not remember Vatos. Uh, I never had them, but I remember when they when uh, they briefly came out. I think it was after his uh, MVP season, right? Vatos. Um, Somebody's got some on on their shelf, just like they used to have Billy Beer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know, I used to. I don't eat breakfast cereal anymore, but Wheaties. Uh, I used to. I used to kind of like Wheaties back in the day, I guess, but. Um. You know what the best breakfast uh, cereal is? Grape nuts. I guess if you like grape nuts, you might think so. I love I love grapes and I love nuts. Why why wouldn't that be perfect? Well, I like chocolate, but I don't eat count chocula. <sighs> I want to listen to you or slander. chocolate or chocolate Cheerios or what about Frankenberry? You little Frankenberry? No, I'm a I'm a honey nut guy. Me and Omar. Honey nut guy. Oh, disgusting. All right, anyway, uh, thanks for the question, Charles. John Majewski, here's one that's going to appeal to you, Bill. In reading about Fred Norman, friend of the podcast, Fred Norman, who's one of my favorite players in Reds history, I came across the name of Enzo Hernandez, who was the starting shortstop for the San Diego Padres in 1971. As a 22-year-old rookie, Enzo made more errors, 33 in 143 games, than his combined number of extra base hits and RBIs. Grand total of 24, nine doubles, three triples, and 12 RBIs, no homers. 618 plate appearances, so more errors than uh, than uh, extra base hits and RBIs. The Enzo Hernandez story, you can see it now on Netflix, makes me feel so much better about the Reds. No matter how bad it gets, I'm confident that the Reds shortstops will have more RBIs and extra base hits than errors. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not confident in that. I think he committed suicide in 2013. I'm just looking him up. Oh my gosh, Bill! We didn't need, dude. We didn't have to take it in a dark direction. I'm just, I'm just reading about Enzo Hernandez here. Poor, because I'd never heard of him. Enzo's a good name. We got to give him that. That's a quality name. E N Z O. Um, I I do not think that the red short thoughts. John, I know you say you're confident, but I don't think I'm not confident they'll have more RBIs and plus extra base hits than errors? Not at all. I mean, you know, there's no evidence that Kyle Farmer can play shortstop at the big league level defensively. We know he can't hit. 
We know he can't hit. Yeah, and I see no evidence that he can actually play defensively. I, I, I'm the Kyle Farmer thing baffles me. I mean, he seems like a good guy, and he plays really hard when he's in the game. You know, uh, probably a really good teammate. And he can give you a couple innings, at, you know, in multiple positions, which is there's value to that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's his value. I don't understand how anyone can even pretend in the Reds organization that he can be a starting shortstop in the big leagues. It's just, it's. I mean, he's better than me. He's better than most people. He's a big leaguer, but come on, it's just crazy. So anyway, uh, I'll give you an opportunity to, to wax on uh, Fred Norman if you want here, because uh, let's finish up with John uh, Majewski. By the way, the Reds owe a lot to players like Enzo. Freddie Norman's win-loss record for the Padres suffered badly with that type of support, which allowed the Reds to get him for almost nothing. In 1973 with the Reds, Norman finished sixth in the Cy Young voting and became a key pitching cog for the big red machine. Thanks, Enzo. You'd love you some Freddie Norman, huh? I, we, I do. I, that was one of my favorite interviews when we, we had Freddie on, on here and, and got to spend some time talking to him. And one of the reasons the Reds got him for almost nothing was because San Diego, the Padres were broke at the time. And the Reds were cash happy and, and they got him. I, I think it was, a I forget, Gene Lockley or maybe? I'm operating on And cash. And not uh, within months after they traded and got Norman, Ray Kroc bought the Padres, and all of a sudden they were they had all that money they needed, and we probably couldn't have gotten Norman later, at least not as cheap. But he was one and seven when he came to the Reds in '73, finished the year thirteen and thirteen. And as we talked about on building the machine, when his first three games with the Reds, he threw a five-hit shutout against the Pirates, then he threw a three-hit shutout at Candlestick Park. Then he went into L.A. and threw eight and two-thirds shutout innings. Was one out from getting a third straight shutout when Ron Say hit a home run off of him in the bottom of the ninth, or he could have started with three straight shutout wins for the Reds. That's a lot better than Jack Billingham's start of going 0-6 when he came over to the Reds in 72. Yeah, a little, little bit better. No question. <laughs> no question. Um, what you just described about the Padres and the uh, and the Reds at the time of that trade sounds exactly like the Padres and Reds in 2021. You know, the Padres are cash-strapped and not willing to spend any money, and uh, the Reds are flush with cash and trying to acquire players. It sounds exactly like what we're seeing this offseason, right? It's 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 the reverse zone. What do they call that in, in its comic books? The uh, uh, Where everything's backwards. I forget what that's called, but yeah. Bizarro world? I don't know. Bizarro world. Yep, that's what it is. We're living in the bizarro world now. Yeah. Gosh. Good question. Or the, uh, or, or the cheapo Castellini world. I can't figure out which one it is. Oh, Bob Castellini. He's the bane of my existence. He's everything that's wrong with this organization. Have I mentioned that? Not today. Uh, I'm not going to talk about him anymore. Nathan Connor. Remember how desperate Jim Bowden was to keep Pokey Reese during the uh, King Griffey Jr. trade negotiations? Pokey Reese ended his career with a 67 WRC+. Kyle Farmer has a career 74 WRC+. The Reds have a no-glove Pokey Reese in line to start this year. Here's his question, though. When you look up and down that 2000 roster, that's the first year that uh, Junior came over, and they won 85 games, I believe, that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 85 and 77 under uh, manager Jack McKeon. When you look up and down that 2000 roster, it's a miracle they won 85 games. Oh, there, he just said it. I didn't have to go look it up. Um, I think the 2021 Reds are a better team. What say you? Talk about setting a low bar. And he says, putting it another way, how many players from the 2021 Reds would start over their 2000 counterpart? 
So let's look at that. Let's let's, let's look at the 2000 lineup versus the uh, 2021 lineup. Team, at least offensively, that was not a bad team. Well, let's go position to position, though. You're right. You're right. You got 35 year old Benito Santiago at catcher. He was sharing time with uh, 31 year old Eddie Taubenzi. Yeah, I, I would take our catchers this year over that. I think so too. I mean, look, Taubins had a 76 OPS plus and couldn't play much defense. Santiago was 79, and he had been a good defensive player, but he was, you know, he was aging at that time. I think I take Barnhart and and Stevenson. Yep. First base, 25 year old Sean Casey over uh, Joey Votto. I'd take the 25 year old Sean Casey at this point. I, I would too. I would too. I mean, you know, gosh, he had 315 that year, 385 on base, 517 slugging. 20 homers, 124 OPS plus. That's when I thought he was going to be a superstar. Yep, I did too. Yeah. Uh, second base. Second base, it was actually Pokey Reese played more games at second base. So you got Pokey Reese versus Mike Moustakas. Moustakas, I guess. Yeah, I think Moustakas. So we got two out of three are the uh, 2021 Reds. Shortstop Barry Larkin over. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about that. Uh, thir- yeah, 36 year old Larkin, right? He had 118 OPS plus. Yep. At age 36. Uh, third base, Aaron Boone, 27 year old Aaron Boone, versus current Reds third baseman, Eugenio Suarez. I'll take Suarez. I'll take Suarez as well, yeah. So now three out of five go for 2021. Out of You're right, not a bad lineup. So now your outfielders, left field, we'll say uh, uh, it's Dimitri Young, 26 mm-hmm. year old Dimitri Young. For the Reds, I guess let's say uh, Winker. Yeah. The, the problem is, you know, it's Winker and who, you know, because you know he's not going to play against left-handed hitters. Uh, I don't know that. I think he hit in a small sample last year, and I think he'll get a chance at least early in the year. I hope, boy, I hope you're right. I Boy, I hope you're right. I'm, but, not, I'm not convinced he will hit, but he did last year in a small sample size. I think I'll take Winker over Demetrion. I think I will, too. I think I will, too. So now we're at four out of six for 2021. Um, and, and maybe I'm just, ba- well, I don't know. I've always been, I've always been a winker guy. Centerfield King Griffey Jr. versus, uh, Sinzel slash Akiyama. I'll go with Jr. Really? Over Sinzel? You just said he was a breakout star. I said, I hope he is. <laughs> okay. So that's seven players and we're four to three now, right? For the, uh, yep. is that what we said? Yep. Uh, four to three for the 2021 Reds. Right field, Dante Bichette, 36 year old Dante Bichette happens. Versus uh, Nick Castellanos. I guess Castellanos. I mean, Bichette was at the end. He had 60. Uh, he was actually better that year than I remembered. Yeah, but I, I was going to say Roughly that. Roughly average. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, last week or the week before, you were talking about how terrible he was. and He wasn't terrible. Roughly average. Yeah, I mean, you look at that starting lineup. They, for one thing, you got two Hall of Famers on that team. Aaron, and you got Aaron six, Boone and, you, and Benito Santiago. And you got six guys that are that are above average offensively. And then you got Steins, Tucker, and and Alex Ochoa, who all had good years on the bench. Plus the immortal Juan Castro. The immortal Juan Castro. With his sixty one OPS plus. Career high. Um <laughs> Hal Morris was on that team. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the last year, yeah. So, I would assume so. Gooky Dawkins, the the immortal Camara Barty. Oh, Brooks Krenchicki. Brooks Krenchicki. Kishnik. 
Keishner. Mark Lewis was on that team. Yep. So you know, he had a minus twenty two OPS plus. How do you even do that? <laughs> I didn't know it was possible. I'm looking at let's look at the pitching stat. Yeah, uh, the pitching's not even close. No. I think you take the 2020 Reds just about all the way. You know, maybe your fifth starter, Denny Nagel, you might take him. They had a, they, that, the, 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 the 2000 team had a really good bullpen. Oh, they did have a great bullpen. That's what saved them, yeah. Yeah. Guys, yes, yeah. I mean, when, when your best starter is Denny Nagel. Steve just, Paris, Ron Valone, Rob Bell, Pete Harnish. Yeah. Wow. Um and all those guys, thirty years old or more, except for Rob Bell. Um, yeah, the bullpen. Danny Graves uh, was uh, was really good that year. Um, Elmer Descends pitched in relief that year. He did get sixteen starts, so pitched uh, another twenty uh, four games in relief. Scott Williamson uh, was good uh, again. Scott Sullivan, he was always good, and and Dennis Reyes. You remember what Dennis Reyes's uh, nickname was? No. Best nickname in Reds history. Big Sweat. He was only 23 at the time. He had two pitchers, 23 years old at the time. Yeah. That's that's when we used to bring guys up when they were young. I don't believe that. So, I don't know. You kind of, kind of look at this team that won 85 games, and, I, you know, I mean, again, the league's different, and, and you know, who knows. But uh, I can't see that the 2021 team is worse. Look at way down at the bottom of the pitching at number 20. Let me go back down there. Number 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> I only threw three innings, but Rob, Norm Charlton was on that team. Nasty boy Norm Charlton, 37 years old. Three innings, gave up six hits, nine runs, <laughs> walked six guys, and only struck out one. Nine earned runs in three innings. Yikes. Wow. Uh, so, okay, we're going to win at least 85 games, I think is what we've decided here. I think that's what Connor's trying to tell us. I think so. Good question. Cal Cap. Kyle Kapler asks us now, betting big on Jose Garcia to be the guy at short probably next year and beyond. What's the plan if he struggles in the minors this year? What's the plan, Bill? I Well, I think the plan is probably the same plan they have this year. We'll just go with whatever we can find laying around. Yeah, there's no, there's no plan, essentially. The only plan is that there is no plan. Yeah. Gosh, this team. Oh, Mike Mannix. Should I name my fantasy baseball team short stopped or stopped short? Either way, my avatar is Kyle Farmer's head on a cartoon farmer body. I love it. Well, if that's his avatar, then I think his name should be Farmhand. Farmhand? Yeah. No, I'm going to stop short. I like stopped short. Okay. Um, that's where you get the cows, you know. You got to go out on the farm. Get one of those Kyle Farmers. That's where you get Kyle and Farmer and Kyle Holder. Mike Perry, with the ball reportedly being deadened this year, what sort of offensive production can we expect from the Reds, who were so reliant on the home run in 2020? This is a great question, and it goes back to something we started to talk about earlier. Uh, there are reports that the MLB has deadened the ball this year. I guess they think that's going to make the game more exciting. How big a problem is that for the Reds? Because... Every run scored, I think, literally every single run last year scored on a home run. I'll have to look that up, but I think it's literally true. No, I think there was one that can't scored on a pass ball. Okay, maybe, maybe. But uh, do you really believe that they're deadening the baseball? Yes. Okay. 
baseball's got to know that they've ruined the game. I mean, you know, aesthetically, just to watch the game, they've ruined it. So, so yeah, I think. That, so you think deadening the, you think that'll have an, the the intended effect? It never has the intended effect, right? <laughs> uh, who knows what the unintended effects are going to be? Uh, I can't see that it helps the Reds. I do think that it, uh, you know, if it's is in fact deadened, I think that's uh, a pretty good uh, indication that Eugenio Suarez is not going to get his fifty home runs like he yeah, wants to get. So. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Do those home runs turn into doubles and you know, we <laughs> the score runs? I, yeah, it's a it's a question that I'm afraid I don't I don't know how to answer because we just got to wait and see if it's actually dead and, and how that impacts on the field. We do have a lot of guys that are dependent on the long ball. Um, any other thoughts about that, Bill? No, good. I, I, I just don't know. I I I question whether the the uh, Ball will be deadened. I'm not convinced that baseball is against the three result game. Three true outcomes, yeah. Yeah, it's a three true outcome, whatever you want to call it. And and it, you know, and if they deaden the ball, does that just turn fly balls into outs? What is it? You know, I I, I don't really know what deadened means. Well, I guess we'll just have to see. You know, um, yeah, I agree. I don't think the problem is necessarily too many home runs. I think the problem is the ball's not being put into play enough. Yes. And so deadening the ball is not going to help hitters make contact any more any more often. So maybe it's a uh, I think widening the strike zone would help. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. You fool with the fool with the mound. I don't know. Um there are things you can do, I guess, uh but I just I'm not sure that deadening the ball changes. The more I'm thinking about it here, that, that it changes. It doesn't address the the issues with the the three true outcomes. I can't remember. I, I know it had an effect in '69 when they did they rate they lowered the mound, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and we and we talked about this in in building the machine because the pitchers dominated so dramatically in '68 that they changed it in '69. And there, and there was an effect, but I don't remember it being a dramatic effect. Do you? Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was a. I don't know if dramatic's right word, but it was, it was significant. It was noticeable if you go look at the the league wide stats. Well, you didn't have pitch. You know, you didn't have what was it, eight, ten pitchers that had ERAs under two. Right. Yeah. You know, Bob Gibson went back to being, uh, you know, just immortal instead of you know superstar of all time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luis Tiant was under two that year. I remember. Louis Tiant. For the Indians. Anyway, good question, Mike uh, Mike Perry. Thank you so much. Uh, here comes the next one from Jeff Euchler. We're, we're getting to the end here, so let's, let's power through these last uh, two or three. Um, Jeff Euchler asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio. We've all complained about the banal remarks by Red's front office types trying to spin the shortstop situation, etc. And he's talking about, oh, we like who we got there. You know, we, we feel really good about this group. and nonsense does the recent kerfuffle with kevin mather in seattle make you a little more appreciative of bland remarks by the front office types and if you haven't heard what happened with mather in seattle go i'm not going to dive too far into it except i'll say this my answer to your question jeff is no because what mather did he told the truth about what they really believe in that front office at least some people believe in that front office and i would very much prefer to have truth from the reds front office 
and hopefully it's not as uh, you know ridiculous as what uh, what Mather said, but it very well might be. I don't think that uh, he's the only guy in a big league front office that you know um, that thinks that way about how to you know how, how to deal with players and um, just go go read his comments if if you want to. But no, I'd rather have the Reds front office uh, tell me the truth for once. And I know they can't do that for PR reasons, but they lie to me and you know act like I'm supposed to believe what they're saying. So. I don't know if you got any uh, any comment on that, Bill. I'll give you a chance if you do. Well, it, my, mine is, you know, I, I've been involved in politics in my area for a while, and you can be honest without being insulting. But, man, we really like these shortstops we've got. they got a lot of positive, you know. Uh, Kyle Farmer, you know, he, you know, he, we saw some good things out of him last year, and and Kyle Holder. I mean, you know, he hits from the, the you know, one side of the plate. And um, what, what was the what was the quote that they that you and Chris were laughing about last week? They've got a lot of, I forget what it was, but it was just so generic. Yeah, we got a lot of guys or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was something along that line. Yeah. So yeah, just yeah, don't. Uh, what do they say about uh, don't do something and tell me it's raining? That's you know, that's mm-hmm. that's all I'm asking. And, and the Reds have filled up our boots. <laughs> they have filled up our boots. Uh, Rich Thompson, gentlemen, as part of your eye squinting, what do you think is the most important thing to happen for the Reds to make the playoffs this year? Four uh, four options here. Most important thing to happen for the Reds to make the playoffs. A, Nixon's Ellis to stay healthy and have a productive season. B, Gino and Joey hit 260 or higher with 30 homers, 90 RBIs each. C, the top three starters win at least 15 games each. And D, the Cubs and Brewers have a similar scandal that the Mariners are dealing with, and the players decide to play lackluster baseball because management has uh, teed them off. What do you think? Uh, Senzel by a nose over the Gino and Joey answer. Okay. Uh, to me, I'm going to drop D off, uh, you know, because that's kind of a... That's kind of funny, but the top three are the ones we're talking about. I think actually of, of the top, those three, Sinzel, Gino, and Joey, and uh, top three stars win at least 15 games. I think actually Gino and Joey's third on my list because, really? well, hit 260 or higher with 30 home runs. I mean, that doesn't really tell me how productive they've been. I, I don't care about the 260 or higher, but the 30 home runs and the 90 RBIs means that the team's scoring some runs. Okay, yeah, maybe. That's why I would say my thing, the most important thing is if the top three stars win at least 15 games each, Again, that's not a way to judge uh, right. the quality of those pitchers, but it means the Reds are winning games. And so I think if that happens. That's a good um, point, too. Yeah, And they're scoring early and often if their starters are winning 15 games each. Right. But now, I think I think that you're right about the fact about Senzel. I mean, if Senzel can finally be that Senzel that we've been waiting for, what an added dimension this adds to this offense. I mean, this offense was not good last year. Now, I do expect they're going to be somewhat better. Uh, just because they're going to start playing closer to the b- the back of their baseball cards, I think that's uh, it's inevitable. I think it has to happen somewhat. But the Reds did not go out and improve this offense at all. They didn't go acquire anybody that's going to help this offense. But if they got a guy in house who can you know be a an above average hitter that they didn't have last year, I think that's huge. I think everything it really is big. And so yeah, I, I think you're not wrong about uh, about Nick Senzel. If you if you are going to pick either. Senzel or Suarez? Well, no, that's not. Never mind. It's not a fair comparison because Suarez has done it at the big league level, and and Senzel hasn't. That's true. uh, I think the odds are higher that that Suarez turns back into the player that he 
has been in the past, more so than Senzel becomes the player we believed he would become. But that's kind of a duh, a duh statement. Yeah, if I got to go on DraftKings and put a prop bet on that one, yeah, I'll put that. I'll put it on Suarez on that yeah. one. Yeah, definitely. But I don't think I think there's a non-zero chance that that Senzel is finally going to get it. But I've been saying it, so until he does it, you know, it's, I'm just kind of repeating myself. All right, last question comes from our friend Risto Neely, as usual, getting in under the wire here. Good evening, Professor Dotson and Mr. Lack. I was listening to Jeff Carr this morning. Jeff's the host of the Locked on Reds podcast, and the discussion centered on what to do with the Reds' cheapskate owner. The idea that his guest proposed was to go to a fan-owned team or a combination of fan ownership and the current ownership group. The idea was similar to the way the Green Bay Packers have been owned by a stock offering to the fans. There are many thoughts that could be incorporated into this plan, but it would be one way to raise the needed capital to make the team competitive. The decisions what to do with the money's raised can be decided by proxy vote, by share, elected board, or by another method decided by shareholders. What are your ideas regarding this type of plan? Bill, any thoughts? I think it's I, I think it's a pie-in-the-sky idea that, that isn't realistic. I mean... What does a Major League Baseball team sell for these days? More than a billion dollars. Yeah. You, you aren't going to do that with a GoFundMe page. You know? uh, yeah. How many? And, and, and not just uh, that to buy the team, but the ongoing funding of, you know, uh, purchasing players, you right. know, running the team. Buying I, the team isn't the end of your, of your financial support. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and everybody loves bringing up the idea that the way the Packers are, are, are done, but I, I don't know when the Packers originally became, or if they've always been owned by the city and the people in Green Bay and, you know, and the, their fans, blah, blah. But it wasn't when the Packers were worth however many million billions that they are now. That's not when it happened. So I, it's, it's a great, you know, what we need to do is we need to have one of our people you know, invent the next thing so that they become a multi multi billionaire and then they buy the reds. Yeah. That's what we need. That's exactly what we need. We need that's 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 the way to fix the Reds ownership problem. So we've got to get rid of Bob Castellini. I'm suggesting Jeff Bezos or uh He's got a dollar or two. Yeah, let him come in. Uh, I heard I heard a rumor that he was looking to buy an NFL team here. Yeah, I read that. And uh, uh, maybe we could maybe we could convince him baseball's a better option. Yeah. Or let's get Mark Cuban, somebody like that in that, that cares about you know putting a good product on the on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you're looking at though at, at who to uh, who should buy the team from from Castellini, the answer is anyone other than Bob Castellini. Um, here's a question I got on Twitter uh, the, other, the other day, maybe last night. Uh, Bill, is Castellini worse than Carl Lindner as an as a team owner? No, no, I don't think it's close. Actually, and and Castellini's garbage. He's at least pretended to try to win a couple times. Yeah, that's that's that's, and that's what I said on Twitter was that's that's your last quarter century of Reds baseball. Two owners that are just they don't care. Yeah, Castellini's got to go. He's absolutely got to go. He is the only thing standing between this team and uh, and being good. And I'm telling you. Uh, this team will never be good again. I hate to say this, but they will never be good again while the Castellanis are running the organization, especially now that Phil Castellanis moved over into baseball ops. Oh, my gosh. And, and 
Two things. One, one is, I, I will say this about the Castellini organization and the, the, the ballpark experience is better than it ever has been. True. Uh, true. Absolutely. But, but that's not why people go to the ballpark. They go to the ballpark to watch the ball. Well, for them, I won't say everybody, but to watch the ball game and to see the team win. Um, the other thing is with this, 30 is it 30 percent whatever yeah, the percentage 30%. is the line approved which means they're not going to make the kind of money they're used to making again this year so again they won't they'll go into next off season saying they can't spend any money either so we've just given them another free year for not doing anything oh yeah 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 they could but they're gonna they got you give them an excuse i mean yep uh the castling ownership group has to go period i mean i just I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on it because uh, there are things to be optimistic about and excited about. I think we've done a good job uh, highlighting some of those in this uh, episode because there are. You know, this is a kind of a fun team. That's what's so frustrating with them just quitting on us this off season. As I said, uh, is that uh, I like a lot of the guys on this team. Yeah, you know, and they could be okay. But they did nothing, zero, to make this team better in the off season. This yeah. this team is markedly worse than it was last year. Yeah. You got the Suarez's and the and the Vados and the you know these these players that are fun to watch and then ownership just refused to support them basically. Sorry guys, it's frustrating, but I, I'm probably going to watch every game though, Bill. And here we are, <laughs> exactly. Week. Exactly. All right, this is episode number 363 of Red Leg Nation Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell friends about us. You know, go first of all, go leave us a five star. Uh, review on uh, on apple podcasts itunes um and uh if we see a, a funny one on there we'll we'll read it out here on the podcast but and tell your friends uh tell your friends season's getting going we're we're back in the swing of things and and there are going to be some fun things to talk about this year it's not going to be one of these 90 lost years i don't think uh, so we're going to have some fun stuff to talk about and, and who knows maybe uh maybe the reds will catch a little bit of fire bill any final thoughts for us nope all right, well, appreciate you being here, and it's always fun talking to you. For Bill Lack and anyone other than Bob Castellini, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.